the space between week two and week three got crazy. Um, we had trades. We had the trade of Mika Fitzpatrick and the insinuation that J- Jalen Ramsey wants out of Jacksonville. Uh, we got injuries. Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, Sam Darnold, and now uh, Trevor C- it's, just, it's all happening, man. The, the league is going to shit. We're not even to week three. The entire league has been derailed. Pretty much, except for, I mean, there's some other teams, obviously, but it's one of those things where the real story of this space between week two and week three was the craziness of the NFL. We're becoming the NBA. Where guys, where dudes can like, you know, hey, mid, I, I'm not going to play for you. I want to be traded. And they're doing it. Look at, uh, look at the Dolphins for a better. You're better not telling example. people like, to actually look at the Dolphins, are you? Don't stare at them. Well, I mean, <laughs> just an example of, of, of guys saying, Guys saying trade me and them actually doing it. AB got his way. Uh, uh, we, we saw that with the Dolphins here. Now Jalen Ramsey, we'll see if he gets to his pull his off. But it's almost NBA-esque where they're just – I wonder if that, we're going to get to that before the CBA. It's, I don't know. It's, it's something different because we – in the last couple of years, we haven't had this trade me and they're actually doing it. You never had trades in the NFL until a couple of years ago. And now trades are happening. I have a question for you guys, and it really involves Jalen Ramsey and uh, and actually Antonio Brown as well. Do you think since this offseason has the sort of bad attitude or, or, or just the idea of being a uh, mercurial player, has that become more of a, of a sort of a red flag to teams? Or do you think like, nothing has changed? Like, like Jalen Ramsey, do you think he had more value – before the season started, like before he started this, like, is it kind of people going, Ooh, he's available. I want to get him no matter what, or he's available and he's probably a big risk. So maybe we won't try to acquire him. Well, I think part of what you're seeing is, is teams that are looking at this and saying, I can win without these guys and I can lose with them. So what, what am I, what am I really doing? Look at Kansas city and Marcus Peters, right? That was a relationship that just completely soured a very talented player with a really good team. But it was best for both of them to, to, to remove themselves from each other. And it's worked out well for both, right? It, you can win without these guys in this era of football because there's enough talent where you don't need the diva wide receiver and you don't need, you know, the asshole on your team. You don't need the Bill Romanowski or the Richie Incognito, the guys that are talented, but you bring in all this, all this baggage. But you've also got some of these guys that if they get into the right environment, Marcus Peters with the Rams, maybe Antonio Brown with the Patriots. We'll have to see the way that Randy Moss with the Patriots work, where Randy Moss with the Raiders did not, that there are certain environments and cultures where you can get the best version out of these guys off the football field. You don't have to do anything for them on the football field. They're already incredible. You just got to find a way to keep them off the football field from infecting your culture with too much of themselves. And it takes the right environment and the right leaders and the right coaches. But some coaches obviously are looking at this and saying, it's just not worth it because it's too much focus and too much effort. And I got football to play. There you go. Well, especially when you're talking about the resources you have to give up to get a guy like that. Sure. When it first came out, they're like, you know, we want two ones. We'll talk about no one's going to give you two ones for Jalen Ramsey because of those problems. But if if, he's, if he has another fight on our outburst on the sideline, will they be, all right, give us a third and let's just wash our hands and get away yeah. from this guy? Yeah, his uh, value is know. decreasing more and more because right. he's such a good player that everyone's like, well, why aren't you keeping him? Like, we don't want to acquire this guy and then have to trade him for a bunch of draft picks. I mean, he just starts to kind of get this. You know, no one's yep. going to want to trade two first round picks 
and then have to pay them a huge contract on top of That's it. That's the difference is the roster timeline, right? We we talked about this a bunch with roster timelines with our trades yeah. going into the draft. Jalen Ramsey's on the last year of cost control, right? This is the fourth year on his rookie contract. He goes into the fifth year option next year. So he's not going to be like cheap. If you give up your first round pick, if, if you were going to take, let's say, a hypothetical cornerback, you've got him on the cheap for 2020, 21, 22, 23. You don't get that with Jalen Ramsey. You get a, a good cornerback on the field. He gets expensive next year. He gets incredibly expensive thereafter. And I think that's what teams are looking at. Right. More so than it. That's why Minka Fitzpatrick went so quickly. And guys like, you know, Jalen Ramsey, and even to a degree, Antonio Brown, especially because they had to release him instead of trading him. Yeah, teams aren't, aren't looking at this and doing what we did with Dante Fowler with a third and a fifth round pick and saying, yeah, I'll give you eight years of roster for a half year of this one guy. Most teams aren't that desperate, even as good as some of these players are. Rams-Browns, week three. Beautiful Cleveland, Ohio, Sunday night football. Chris Collinsworth sliding in. Carrie Underwood, the dulcet tones. Let me start real quick and say that I think it's interesting that Vegas doesn't really know what to do with this game. Because since it's in Cleveland, it looks like Cleveland's going to be favored by three. But uh, I think maybe uh, maybe that's going to go up and down, or it's going to be like two and a half. But it's I think what I really like about this matchup is that it's week three, prime time, going to have a lot of eyeballs on it, and I think people are going to watch it. I think sometimes when you see like a matchup, you're like, I don't want to watch that game. Like you know, I don't I don't want to watch the Titans against the buccaneers or whatever the hell and i think people want to see golf against mayfield mm-hmm. i think it's i think it's a it reminds me of the anticipation that we had when we played the chiefs last year for monday night football a little bit less than that because we had the build up to know that they were the real deal we knew the chiefs were were awesome so we met of that monday night football game there wasn't like well are they good like, i don't know they had one good game one bad game and that's what we're doing with the browns where, yeah, they just played really well, but then they kind of played like hot garbage the week before. So maybe they were just getting the kinks out, or we don't know who who they really are. You know, same with us. We're still kind of figuring out, like, how Jared Goff is going to play with his defensive line and all that sort of stuff. So the fact that it's on primetime, I think it's going to be going to be pretty rad because they both have offenses with a lot of famous people. And I think your casual fans can be like, oh, I want to watch Odell Beckham Jr. and Todd Gurley, and you know, the, you could name a lot of people. Just I think a casual person on the street's going to know who, who, who are on these teams. Reminds me of the anticipation for Bruce Springsteen at the Staples Center. <laughs> Don't even knock hey, the joke. Do you guys like steel? <laughs> yeah. Dude, I go see every, oh, every Springsteen tour. I, I go. And I went to that one at the Staples Center, Joe, and uh, he he did not like it. Was it. He was he was he was very upset. How because... do you guys feel about docs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went. I did a. We went to Halloween. Co- it, was, it just happened to be in Halloween, and there was a, a coffin on the stage. What? And, and so this 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 coffin rises up from the stage, oh and there's all this God. fog. And it, it, it's great. So Clarence, the saxophone player, sure. he, he's wearing like a, a like a Grim Reaper hood, <laughs> and he has the guitar, and he walks over to the the coffin, right? And they're playing the ominous organ music, 
and he puts the guitar, it's Bruce's guitar, and he puts it over the coffin, right? And then this hand, just Bruce's hand, just comes out of the coffin and grabs the guitar and he pulls it back in. He's like holding his guitar in the in this coffin. And then he just jumps out and he goes, Is anybody alive out there? And just screams and the whole place just goes nuts. And then it, and then he goes over and someone hands him the beer, like a like a sixteen ounce like plastic cup of beer. And he just like just downs it and then just crushes it, throws it in the crowd. It's a bud light. It's like Bruce is the best. A bud light that's been <laughs> sitting out in the sun for three weeks that they just put in the fridge. Exactly, Joe. You get it. You're reading my mail. You know what's up. <laughs> All right, back back to this game, guys. Are we uh are we feeling good about going into this game against the Cleveland Browns? Who what, likes do, what do you Denim? think of them on Monday Night Football? <laughs> no. Whoa, right. Hello. I know. Oh God, I I'm getting ready for this 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 three two two and a half week vacation, and uh, this yeah. week I've been kind of completely you've got, a, you've got an actual excuse. So I, I did yeah. not. I was I had had it on the radio for a little while, and uh, it sounded like they were beating up on a a team without a quarterback, and this they, they well they still weren't impressive, I guess, other than the one throw to Odell, right? They they won, but it, I mean it they didn't blow that team away when they got blown away in week yeah. one at home. So and Mayfield still has four interceptions. I mean, who's who's looking for chops yeah. the most in the secondary? Marcus Peters, Keep Talib, Taylor Rapp, NRC, Weddle, John Johnson. I mean, they all bought up. You're thinking that he's going he's going he's going to put in some spots and give us a chance to get on this ball. My cogent analysis from the Turf Show Times Twitter account heading into the second half was: This game is warm pee. <laughs> Was it worth you just because you knew the Jets had no shot, or was it? No, this was after watching the first half. It was, uh, it was bad. Like it was bad, bad, bad. The Jets off. There was no Jets offense. It was horrible. Right. The Browns didn't take. It was just bad football. And I felt. I I watched all of it. I felt bad about it. It's one of those things where it's you know you ask yourself why am I doing this? What am I doing this for? Makes you question your life choices. But there I was watching Jets Browns. Yay. Do you think Freddie Kitchens is a good coach, or do you think he's doing a good job right now? To be determined. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. It's only two games into this season, and obviously he rescued them from the Hugh Jackson debacle. But uh, you know, he's uh, got some things to work out. And I think the one thing you'd say is they managed the process to get here. A lot of teams could have, you know, said some uh, things over the off season, given all the hype that they were getting, you know, we've seen dream teams uh, talk about themselves in ways before that uh, elevated the hype that they had to live down. They didn't really do that. A lot of the hype was kind of from the outside. Right. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, th- I think Freddie Kitchen's personality is right for that to be able to manage those expectations. But, um, you know, ultimately you get graded on the results and, uh, Obviously, to this point, they certainly haven't lived up to billing, but we got to see what happens. And I think uh, this uh, – I'd say this. I think they're going to be hyped for this one because this, this is kind of what I talked about. When did, we, when did we talk about this? I think it was maybe my biggest concerns for the team going into this year, and I think one of them was the idea that, that the Rams don't get the benefit of not necessarily creeping up on people, but when you play the Los Angeles Rams now, you've got to summon your best version of your team, what, whichever team it is we play every week. The Cleveland Browns know – when you play the Los Angeles Rams, you have to play your best football. That's it's not a disadvantage, but it's one of those uh, handicaps that the Rams have to deal with. All of Cleveland is going to be high for this game. It's Sunday night football. They haven't been this relevant in what twenty years, twenty five years. You get the team that came out of the Super Bowl 
and you get to try to make a statement against them, this is the kind of challenge that the Rams are going to face with multiple teams this year that are looking at us and saying, look, if we chip them away, that says more about us than it would against them for them to get a win. And and this is the right time for a team like Cleveland that needs a win like this to get one. So I think that's the kind of thing that we're dealing with in terms of the setup for this game. And it makes it a little bit uncomfortable. But uh, I think we're all obviously biased and comfortable with uh, the Rams approach and the fact that we had a team that dealt with some of this last year, although I think it's being exacerbated this year. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think an interesting thing about just the Cleveland Browns as a team is I think at first I was just thinking of them as this sort of um, – you know, uh, ragtag group of superstars where you could name like a famous player in every position. And you're like, wow, they got all these dudes and this is, they're going to be great on paper. But when you actually watch them, I feel like, yeah, they're very inconsistent. And I feel like they're, they kind of are making a lot of mistakes and you have Greg Robinson as your left tackle. So there's always going to be some, some rough spots when you just watch this team play. But what I really liked about it was their secondary and, it's the fact that they got great greedy Williams because that was a dude that we were talking sure. about a mock draft sure. so much last year, and we were just pumped on this dude. He was going to go in the first round. He fell into the second, and it feels like the Browns stole him. I mean, they or they got a steal because right now they get, he's starting opposite uh, Denzel Ward. So you have you know some um, got a lot of talent there, and they're they're pretty deep and their defensive line's pretty strong. I feel like. Maybe that hasn't been um, a- as dominant, but they, you know, they shut down the Jets, and I know that doesn't sound much, but it, they they shut them down. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how McVeigh just makes his offensive scheme to kind of go against, you know, a dude like Miles Garrett, yeah. like lead leader in sacks. How, how are we going to bottle that guy up? It's going to be interesting to see. Oh, it's going to be hard to see. I mean, that's the thing, right? Now, look at the game that Rob Havenstein just had against Cam Jordan. Um, that's a challenge. We got the initial injury report uh, this week. We got uh, Aaron Donald and um, Malcolm Brown both limited to start. And then Austin Bly, Tyler Higby, quote unquote, day to day. Although I think at this point we need to be careful taking Sean McVay at his word with his injuries. But we'll have to see. Higgs is coughing up blood. Austin Bly's knee went backwards and somehow they're day to day. It's amazing what Reggie Scott can do as the Rams trainer. Um, what what do you guys think? Are you worried about this first wave of injuries? And uh, Robbo, the idea that, uh, that Jamil Demby might be a starter in week three. How worried are you? I get it. I know. Go ahead. Oh, I'm worried about him anytime he takes snaps, but it's it's reality. And he did better in the second half. Yeah. And so I, I I think it's not a secret to the Rams staff where they were hit what Demby's strengths and weaknesses are. So I, I trust in Cromer and in the run game and McVeigh and the and Shane Waldron, right? Passing game coordinator. Is Jamil Demby Bruce Springsteen's favorite offensive line? Because <laughs> he's built like a doc. He's a he's a working man out of Maine. He's not shaped like an NFL player. <laughs> I think that they they understand what he can do and can't do, and, and they'll tailor the offense not specifically around that, but they'll they'll slide protections. They'll they'll build some protection in for him and. And I think they did some of that second half when they started getting those outside zone runs and he was better in the run game, whatever. Uh, I think the big thing you're looking at with these two teams, uh, the Cleveland turns the ball over and the Rams. I mean, they're negative yeah. three in turnover differential yeah. and the Rams are plus two. Uh, so that that's going to be a big thing. And the biggest thing I think of all is uh, if he's healthy and we talked about injuries, but Brendan Bate pointed that out earlier today. How confident are you in Aaron Donald going against Greg Robinson? 
Rams fans. I was gonna, yeah. Well, I was gonna go with the real matchup, which is Dante Fowler against Greg Roberts. Yeah, right? This is a game that Dante uh, has to lose. Yeah, well, that's the point, though. Anyway. That, that's the setup. Yeah. Is if Dante Fowler does, if Dante Fowler gets bottled up by Greg Robinson, we got to have a talk, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yep. true. That that's that's a come to Jesus moment if that doesn't work out in the Rams' favor because that's a weakness that the Browns have, and if Fowler can't capitalize on Greg Robinson, then what are we even doing here? <laughs> right. It's uncomfortable to think about. Yeah. So this yeah, I want to talk about Higgs real quick. Is that if that's okay? Yeah, go preach. I feel that uh, oftentimes when we talk about an injury, it's really all about just okay, when is he better and when is he back? But with someone like Higgs, bow, bow, the fact that he's coughing up blood and it was a it's is it a it's it wasn't a punctured lung, but it was a what kind of lung was it? It was like a like a bruise it was a chest lung. contusion yeah it was a chest contusion yeah. that had him coughing up blood i just it's, it's pretty metal for higgs you know i thought he was a little bit more on the uh, the pop metal but that's hardcore when you're when you're coughing up blood it's it's like the um it's like the lull in the concert where you know you've been and now you gotta like slow things down and take it a little easier yeah and like um where they had that one that was all instrumental. It's like that, where it slows down. The uh, Call of uh, Cthulhu, where you got to... Now you got to calm down. You've got blood, and then then you make your return, and then it's for whom the bell tolls. Then you get to... Right, right. So I wonder... All the kids, all the kids who understand my (laughs) early 80s Metallica references, this one's for you. I pour out my Bud Light in your honor. (laughs) We need Bud Light. I think there's probably there's probably a scenario a couple of weeks from now where Higgs and, and Goff are hanging out watching some some Bachelor and Goff just turns over and goes, Hey Higgs, remember when he spit out blood? That was crazy. And Higgs just goes, bow, bow. <laughs> Should we do we need to start a like a, an effort to get Higgs on Bachelor in Paradise? Like is that is that a thing that we could do? Is like you know. I think it is actually. I uh, I think you've got a better shot of getting Higgs on a show like Teen Mom. <laughs> I don't know what that is. You don't know what that, I know. How could you not know what Teen Mom is? Come on, Joe. I don't. I'll, I'll say two things. I have no idea what that is, and somehow I'm already sad. <laughs> I mean, yep. I don't know. I've never heard of Teen Mom. I'm from Texas. I li- I get to live Teen Mom. That's we're <laughs> we're the cast. You guys get to watch it. We got this set up with the defense where they've got to take advantage of the Browns O-line and, and Baker Mayfield. Joey, you had this great uh, read on the odd couple. You get a chance to expound upon this between uh, Baker the Faker, crazy, Texahoma, uh, uh, you know, wearing the I, – I don't know what he's going to wear on his head. He's got to wear some kind of headgear at all times because he's crazy. He had the Gardner Minshew porn stash before Gardner Minshew yep. did. Um He's out there doing wacky photo shoots. Jared Goff is 24, dressing like he's 44, doing Banana Republic clothing lines. They, they really are kind of uh, the both sides of the NFL QB coin. Yeah, and a lot of it, I think, comes down to attitude and swagger. And and that's sure. really all, all about Baker. He's kind of almost a character in like WWE in a little bit. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he just starts wearing just like war paint on his face or something where he's like, he's playing the character of yeah. Baker Mayfield 
where Jared Goff is just this so just casual and a dude. He's just a dude that can just play football really well. But it's confounding because if you're going to script it, you're going to pick the Baker Mayfield character. And Jared Goff is a little bit more of a of an outlier, even though he's kind of basic. You know, just as far as the way he kind of comes across. So I, I it, it, it's interesting to see how Jared Goff still succeeds because he has that traditional, like he's like 6'4", he's like this big dude or just slender dude. And Baker is kind of more like a bulldog. And I think he kind of has that chip on his shoulder. So I think it's really kind of interesting how Baker Mayfield is going to be doing all the press. He's going to be, you know, talking smack on people that used to, you know, used to play with or he'll he'll openly criticize somebody and not really hold his tongue. And obviously when you watch Jared Goff talk, he's never really going to say anything that's off script. And that's going to even how we, we talk about the system QB thing is, is Jared Goff always on script? I think that's kind of something that people really talk about a lot because they don't know if he can improvise, if he can play like Baker Mayfield. So I wonder if, Baker played great. Jared Goff doesn't play yeah. great on Sunday Night Football. The criticisms of of Goff are going to increase or kind of take a new form. Yeah, I was after I read it. It was a great read and a great idea. You know what? It kind of becomes a referendum on whether or not you want a system QB, right? Like, a, right. like, like maybe mm-hmm. you do, and and maybe this is a game that's going to show you got a good system. You need a system QB. You got a good system when you when you don't have a system QB, shit can go off the rails. Like and 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 the Browns, it's only two games in, but the Browns could go off the rails mainly because they don't have a system QB. Like there's there's a lot of game managers and whatever is system QBs and whatever kind of uh, phrase we use to describe those kind of quarterbacks that operate within the constraints of a system because they don't scramble and they don't make up plays on the run and they don't do these kind of, you know, un, un, unscripted, unprepared things. But some guys do, and it's kind of good. And we've had a lot of quarterbacks like that in the NFL, whether it's Tom Brady or Peyton Manning that have had a ton of success like that. Sure, the Aaron Rodgers and the Russell Wilsons and, you know, the, now the Kyler Murrays and Baker Mayfields are fun and, and Pat Mahomes. But sometimes it's just guys who get the job done and two of them made the Super Bowl last year. And it feels, it, it feels like this game might be a referendum on that of whether or not you want a system QB or whatever. What, what We need to come up with a pejorative because I know system QB is meant to be a knock against those kind of guys. What is a non-system QB? What is a what is a freestyle quarterback? What do we need to call these guys to try to 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 you know for the fan bases are like yeah our guy just makes shit up out of nowhere like maybe that's not a good thing sometimes. Well, I think at times the term gunslinger was used a lot, and I and I know that when Pat Mahomes was in the NFL draft, they used that term, or they're like, oh, he's like. Like Brett Favre, he's a gunslinger, and Baker kind of has that that vibe too. And I'm I'm sure that's not the term that people would go with because you know nobody cares about cowboy stuff anymore for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean it's 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 interesting because it's almost like a, like they're a maverick. But I don't know if there's current terms that. But it's like the idea of like a maverick when you don't need to be like the idea of a system quarterback being here's what you need to do. Well, I did it. Okay, good. Like uh, I talked about Great British Baking Show. Imagine like getting a recipe for like, I don't know, a raisin scone and you bake for two hours. I've made cheese pie. Like, no, that's not. 
would yeah. follow the thing you're supposed to do. Like I get it. Sometimes it's boring and sometimes it's according to schedule, but sometimes that's what you need to do. Yeah. Does, did fantasy bring this about like, you know, running around, throwing it, making like, I oh, see the throw he had, whatever. I mean, people are, people tend to watch more games that aren't their favorite team because of fantasy. And so you're, you're, maybe it's more, you're being more exposed to guys and all the highlights of people running around, making all these plays. I mean, the net result of a guy running around for 40 yards and throwing a ball 35 yards on the field and Jared Goff standing there and hitting uh, Cooper Cup in the seam for 35, are the, it's the same. One's a lot more exciting than the other, right? Sure. Uh, you know, one sure. is like, hey, we, we thought this could come up. We did it. He stood, stood back there, let the ball go, next play. And another one you've got, you know, the guy running for his life and throwing shit like one, no looking passes, whatever. And it, it's like the red zone channel is what it is. It's basically red, like, the, these guys are made for red zone channel, whereas Jared Goff yeah. isn't. Yeah. What's Jared Goff? What channel is Jared Goff made for? Uh, MTV. CNBC. MTV Team Mom. <laughs> <laughs> PBS. I think Jared Goff. <laughs> PBS. Antique Roadshow. Uh, it does He's remind been... me. I don't know if you guys remember the old Simpsons bit where Grandpa Simpson is watching Joe Namath play Johnny Unitas and Joe Namath's out there with his long hair flowing and all the women are swooning over him. And then Johnny Unitas comes on and he goes, now there's a haircut you can set your watch to. <laughs> he and Johnny Munt. Johnny Munt hates Baker Mayfield. <laughs> he, he hates the idea that, wait a second, he's not doing what his coach told him to. Ruski! <laughs> Johnny Munt has become Dan Aykroyd's character from the, the Dragnet movie. Yeah, Johnny Munt is going to give Baker Mayfield a, a code red. Right. <laughs> oh. I'm calling in a citizen's arrest. <laughs> Good decent American. Want to have that haircut, son? Straight, straighten up and fly right, would you? That's awesome. I love it. Do, do you feel like if you're just looking at the weaknesses for the Browns, I know we kind of covered it, but do you think it's – kind of just their their discipline or their their coaching or they just don't have it all together or are are there spots that they're just bad like do they have their defense it doesn't seem like they're bad in run defense well this week tight end is a is a deficit for these guys because david broke his damn wrist so now they're down you know a major part of their offense now they still have obj and they still have chubb and they still got baker but that's that's going to cause some adjustments in freddie's book how much are you, how much are you guys buying into the Rams defense after two? It, I like them. Uh, obviously the McCaffrey game was a little bit different, but shut down Evan Kamara, held the Saints to and I get it, Teddy Bridgewater, but held him to nine points. Yeah. Uh looked relatively, I won't say dominant, but in control against Carolina. Uh creating a lot of turnovers. The secondary is playing fantastic. Aaron Donald forced a game plan from the Panthers that constricted their offense and then single-handedly constricted the Saints offense early on and ended up injuring Drew Brees because they didn't block him. Um, what do you guys think about the Rams defense? Nandama can sue out, Clay Matthews, Eric Ruddle in. Uh, I like what they're doing over there. Taylor, Taylor Rapp in? Taylor Rapp. Uh, I, I think they're better than they were last year. I mean, with it, we I should you know table that because they had some injuries that they dealt with. They dealt with Aqib Tlaib, which was a major shift on what they could do. And also Marcus Peter hurt himself and played hurt half the season. Uh, so there's, you know, there's, we could, we could debate on that, but still that results. I like the way they're playing. I like the way they look. I, uh, Corey Littleton has had a pretty darn good last year and he's playing out of his mind this year. Um, I, I like that defense. You, I think we mentioned in the pod the other day, how many times did you hear a key or Marcus Peters name called in that game? 
they didn't even go after them because they they were locking it down. Uh, they have a big test this week with that other guy, but uh, it's not like you're playing rookies out there. These guys have played players like OBJ before, so I I am not sweating it at all. I I think I like their mix. I like their I like the the iteration of this Rams defense, and and Papa Wade has got them dialed up. What about the what about the offensive side, Joey? Before we close this out, um, need need to come up with a little bit more consistency, and maybe that starts with your guy, Jared. Um, and especially if we can get it done earlier, uh, versus waiting for uh, like we did against the Saints, the three touchdown drives at the end. Do you, do you, who do you think this game needs to start with? Does it need to start with Jared Goff? Does it need to start with the offensive line? Does it need to start with Todd Gurley? Or does it need to start with the receiving targets? I mean, I like all of those options. I feel like it's going to start with special teams. As mm. much as I don't like this idea, but I just kind of feel like Goff and Gurley could really struggle with this defense. And if they do, I think it almost becomes a really low-scoring game because I feel like the Rams are going to be able to to contain the, the Browns offense. So you could just see a lot of these kind of really fast sports cars wanting to score some points, and it just becomes kind of an ugly defensive mm-hmm. matchup. And I think one of the interesting things when you look at the Browns is the AFC Special Teams uh, Award went to their punter who trapped um, yeah. the other team behind the 20-yard line twice, or not five times, five times. And um, he's a rugby player, Jamie Gillen. I think it would be kind of interesting if this game almost becomes <laughs> about punting, if just Hecker against Gillen. I mean, if there's anything sexier for Sunday Night Football, I'm sure Chris Collinsworth – is talking to Al Michaels and like, man, I just would love it if this became about Johnny Munt standing on the side. Now we're playing football. <laughs> I finally feel like I'm an American. I've been practicing again. for this one for years. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned punting. Uh, let's let's be honest. Johnny hasn't been great this year. He's he's been he's had some. Where they put it together, Robbo. This is his Rudy right? moment. He's, this is what Johnny you showed the world. He's had moments, but he's also he's like shanked a couple, and mm-hmm. so it'd be nice. It'd be a nice game for Johnny to to recognize that the offensive, that the AFC Special Team Player of the Week is his his opposite, and he needs to show out. Yeah, I the, the three, the three times weird. he's going to punt on on Sunday. The three times. It's one of these things where, like, when quarterbacks miss a throw, we can be like, "Oh, he's being too aggressive. Oh, he's forcing things off his back foot." Or, oh, he was anticipating this window too early. With punts, we're just like, yeah, I don't know. He like, he didn't kick the ball big. <laughs> kick it bigger. Big. <laughs> kick it bigger and yeah. higher. Do the banana do one. That. Do the banana kick. Do all the fruit kicks. <laughs> try another. Try try a lime kick. Maybe maybe add some lemon zest to it. I don't know. Let's get crazy out there, Johnny. Does Johnny Hecker even watch film? What were you doing all week, man? Follow the the punting game plan, <laughs> which is just a picture of Johnny Hecker kicking the ball. Punting? They just they just point at it. Uh, do that again. Just come on, man. Try try harder. Like try kicking the harder. ball harder. <laughs> Have you thought about using your foot? <laughs> John, so you think Johnny Hecker's like, oh shit! I've been going with my shin for years. Like it changes everything. He's just bouncing the ball off his nuts. He's like, I don't know why this isn't working. <laughs> I have no idea why I just punted the ball for two yards, and now I, I have to go to the hospital. Punting yeah, I don't know. Mystery. 
yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting game, man. But I'm I'm predicting a low scoring affair. What do you think, Rebel? Low scoring? I think this is, think this is going to be a little more open. I'm yeah, uh, I'm going to go. I think this is going to be a big one. I don't know, a neighborhood of like 55 points on the on the total, somewhere in that like 28, 28, 24 kind of thing. I think it's going to get funky. I think we're going to get wacky. Um, let's transition away from the game. little final business before we close up things. Oh, CJ Anderson got released by the Detroit Lions this week. That's a <clears throat> that's probably a fourth-round pick that it cost us. That hurts. Well, like, fourth-round picks, that's Brian Allen. Suna, that's a starter. Also cost us a second. pick, right? So now all those covered... Mm-hmm. All those, all those coveted compensation picks are, are that Les likes are blowing up in his face. He was on good footing with him, and I clearly wanted a fourth round pick versus not getting one. The opposite of this is we just don't get the pick uh, since he doesn't count in the formula now. Signing CJ Matthews, uh, CJ Matthews, CJ. Can you imagine CJ Anderson and Clay Matthews forming into one person? That would be the most unlikely duo. Yeah, it's something you'd have to do like in a modification on a video game. Like if Madden had an extra little little hack that you can just kind of merge two players But it wouldn't together. it be like when they deny your <laughs> trades? It'd be like impossible, does not compute, cannot combine. Too weird. Too, too weird. <laughs> Don't want to think about it. <laughs> Meatball plus ball of meat unequal. Um. But yeah, now Clay Matthews' signing uh, cancels out with LaMarcus Joyner. And because he's a starter with a major contract, and uh, many projections have him uh, scheduled to have earned us a fourth-round pick, it means we won't get it. The only one that we're going to get is the Roger Saffold pick, which will be third round. But we still get a third-round pick to add to things, and we're scheduled to get our first-round pick. We're scheduled for the first time, maybe, to spend a first-round pick on it. Full complement of picks this year, so far? Yeah, we uh, no, we don't. We got the uh, fifth round is gone because of the Dante oh, Fowler trade. Oh, Dante, Dante, ruin your your fifth round pick special, Robbo. I have, so now I have when we do full, our seven round mocks, I have full confidence in Les Snead's ability to recoup that. Be a new trade. How many how many fifth round picks are we at? Right, right now? We got zero. We're gonna end up with four. Yeah, we're gonna trade a second for a couple of thirds, and then the, the two thirds will be pushed down to a couple of fourths and a fifth. And we're gonna have so many six, seven picks. It's not gonna be. I try trusting Les to screw this entire day up for me because it's he loves to trade. Trade, trade. He's Buzz Lightyear. (laughs) It's perfect. It's true, and it's perfect. Buzz Lightyear does massive amounts of cocaine. (laughs) To infinity and beyond.